Good evening. This is Grace and Faith Fellowship coming to you with our weekly message. We pray that you've had a blessed week and we just want to come and sow into your life. Um, we've been talking about the subject drifting. How Christians, um, believers, we drift away from the things of God. And, um, and so we've been dealing with how do we keep from doing that? How do we keep from drifting from God? How do we maintain a intimate relationship with Jesus Christ? Because we understand that things happen in life and we can get distracted by things that go on in our life. And that's what the enemy wants. The enemy wants us to be get distracted by things and begin to drift away from God. And guess what? We can no longer be effective and be what God called us to be, uh, fulfill the purpose that God has on our life. And we want to do that. We, God has called us to reach the laws, to uh, know what our purpose is and know what our calling is so that we can uh, spread the kingdom around the world and people's lives get transformed through believing in Jesus and what he has done for us. And so but we've, we've called to live a, um, a life that is, um, that has purpose and has value in business and has significance. And the way to do that is through Jesus Christ and then knowing what he's calling it, but keeping that close connection, never becoming, as we use the word in Bible study, too familiar with things that we don't think is no longer important. And so we talked about two things already that will keep you from the first week dealt with prayer how prayer will keep you from drifting from God, how you have to spend time talking to him, communicating with him, let him talk to you, you talk to him and let him speak to you. And you must um, take some time out to do that. That's how you keep from drifting because you have this connection with the Lord Jesus Christ. And last week, well, we spent a couple of weeks talking about community. You may say, what is community? Community is fellowship, um, becoming a part of a ministry, becoming a part of a prayer group, um, getting around people. So even the Bible says iron sharpens iron. Okay. And that's in the book of Proverbs. We sharpen each other. Um, we pray for one another. You know, we give testimony. We encourage one another. Community is so important because you can't do this by yourself. Okay. You can't do it by yourself. You know, God did not create us to be by ourselves. So you need people. And we dealt with some of the, the things people may say, well, I don't go to church because maybe you've had church hurt. Maybe you've experienced some problem. Maybe you've seen some things um, that did you didn't like and the pastor failed and fell into some type of uh, sin. And you got discouraged. Well, I always tell people, hey, if you go to a restaurant, and the food is bad. You don't stop going out to eat. What do you do? You just find another restaurant to go to. And that's the same thing with churches and ministries. All churches are not bad. All churches are not dealing with, you know, a whole bunch of a conflict and things. And, and don't get me wrong. There's conflict in every church. Uh, you may have heard me say, and I say it for those who haven't heard me. Uh, if you find the perfect church, don't join it because you're going to mess it up. Why? Because the church is made up of people. 
people are flawed. People have things they're going through. People are not perfect. And so therefore, you shouldn't allow that to stop you from going and being a part of the ministry. Because guess what? You have flaws too. But you can, there are ministries out there that are teaching the word of God, that uh, putting up very good effort and doing things right, decent in order. And you can feel the presence of God there. You can be, you know, you can also fulfill your calling of God there. And so therefore, don't allow that to discourage you because if you don't, then guess what? You're going to drift away. You're going to drift away from God. You're going to find yourself um, in a place where you never thought you would be because you didn't stay connected. And so we stay connected by prayer. We stay connected by community. And so the third thing we're going to talk about um, tonight is scripture. Okay, you stay connected by scripture. And the scripture is so, so important. And it's amazing how we neglect this because we don't get to spend time in the word. We do not spend time in the word. And so therefore, scripture keeps you from drifting. So let's jump into this. So, so it, it is so easy to drift away from spending time in God's word. It's easy. It's easy with all the things that go on, you know, taking kids to soccer practice, football practice, baseball practice, um, you know, the, the, the things you go through life. You know, you got to cook dinner. You got to wash clothes. Um, just constant things going on. So it's so easy. And so let's, let's just um, face it now. We, we carving out every, a time every day to sit somewhere quiet and read a few scriptures from an ancient and sometimes confusing books takes discipline. And that's not easy because sometimes that's our approach to the Bible. But, um, it's ancient. Um, I don't understand what I'm reading, you know, and so therefore why spend time, you know, because I really can't understand it. You know, you got the King James Version, you got a King James Version Bible, then you know what, uh, you you don't understand all the these and dials and stuff. And and so it can become very frustrating and, you know, it can become tedious. And so we kind of get away from that. And we'd be honest, um, really sitting down and, and reading anything in this in this world of screens and binge worthy shows on every possible platform can be difficult because think about it. Now we got these things, you know, we got the our shows we watch on TV, you know, the have and have nots. You know, we got the um, the things with Tyler Perry, love his some of his shows and you know, all yeah, Hulu and all these different platforms and we get hooked on these series and things. And that's not to say that's not, it's not sinful. We all do it. We all like our favorite things, but you know, we, we got our cell phones, we got the internet, we got all these things, social media. And so we, we get distracted and we don't spend no time in the word of God. So, but we got so much that consumes our time. And so now we talk, you're talking about finding time to uh, spend time in the word, man, that's, that's so difficult, but you need to understand that the word has to become a priority in your life. It has to become a number one priority to spend some time 
studying God's word and hearing what he got to say. So, but here's why um, not, um, getting God's word is key to not drifting. Here, here's the reason why. Um, here's the thing, the main thing you need to understand is this. Why we so why do we need to spend time in God's word in order to keep from drifting? Well, God's word doesn't change. This is the whole key. You need to get this tonight. God's words never change ever. He it never changes. Okay. God, let me see it again. God's word never changed. This is why. You need to get into the word because, and this is why it will keep you from drifting because God's words never change. Opinions change all the time. Um, what's considered right or wrong is constantly, it's constantly moving target. It's a moving target in our culture. Okay. Even our feelings can be extremely unreliable. This is why an anchor, a, a truth that never changes is so necessary to live in a life of Christ-centered, different makers. So here's the thing. It, God's word never changes. We live in a culture now where things are changing all the time. Things are changing. You know, marriage, the, the definition of marriage has changed. The definition of a woman has changed. The definition of a male has changed. People can, can pick their own sexual identity, Um, you know, just things are changing all the time in our culture. Okay. And, and what marriage is and, and things and, you know, all these things are changing. But God's word never changed. It, it's, it's always been the same. The Bible says uh, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and for more. Things are moving. Culture is constantly changing. We see in our culture, laws are being changed. The government is changing things of what's right and what's wrong. Okay. How, you know, and we see this going on. But you need to understand that the word of God never changes. It never changes. Our feelings change all the time. How you feel. See, if you're allowing yourself to uh, be governed by how you feel all the time then guess what? You're going to be changing all the time. It doesn't go by how you feel. It goes by what the word of God says. Your feelings are going to change. Emotions are always up and down, but the word of God never changed. But you need an anchor. What is that anchor? The word of God, a truth that never changed. You're going to be a difference maker in this life for Jesus. Then you need to spend some time in the scripture and hearing God's voice speak to you through the scriptures. So this is so important. It's like I said, this is what we neglect and we, and it's, and it's, we so easy neglected because as I said before, when we look at uh, how we make excuses and we come up with, I don't understand it or uh, we don't make time for, it, we don't think it's important, but if you want to know what the truth is and you want to know, the answers to life problems, you need to spend time in the word. So when we face confusion, pain and worry, or just about anything else in life, God has given us uh, an incredible gift, this collection of books 
Okay, he's given us a gift. So you need to look at the Bible as your gift. It is a gift from God to know the truth about what he said, about what life is all about, about how to handle um, worry, as we talked about, how to handle confusion, how to handle difficult circumstances in your life. Um, he tells us that he gives us instructions through the word of God. And through the scriptures, and this is why we got to spend time. Um, you can know, and I guess, what God thinks, what he wants for your life, and how you should respond to whatever you're facing. So you can know this. Because you may be asking the question, that, well, how can I know what God wants? How can I know what's right with all the things that are going on? How can I know? What's the truth? We often hear people say, well, what is the truth? You know, you got, you know, you got this religion, say this. We got this religion, say that. Well, Jesus said, and, you know, of course, people are going to disagree with me. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the light. He said, no one comes to the Father by me. There's only one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. Now, of course, like I said, you have other religions, different, you know, disagree with me. But I stand on this. Because I found God to be reliable in what he said. And there are historical facts to back up the things that the Bible There's some historical facts about what Jesus said. And so I find Jesus to be reliable out of all the other religions, out of all, whether it's Buddha, Muhammad, I find Jesus to be reliable in what he said. Now, some of you may say, well, you know what? You can't prove, prove anything. Well, you can't prove anything 100% because in the past we weren't there. But there's enough information. God left us these six, six books and there's enough information in there. There's enough truth in there to let you know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and life, that he's reliable, that he is the savior of the world, that he purchased our sins through his shed blood. And so... He is reliable. I find him to be very reliable in what he said. So you ain't got to guess about it when it comes to life, what God thinks, um, what you're facing. You don't have to guess about it. So you just need to read these passages and, and thank God for making the truth so readily available to you. He's made the truth ready available to you. All you have to do is get in the scriptures. Now, if you don't get in the scriptures, if you don't take time to know getting God's word and know want to know what he said, then guess what? Um, you're not going to know what the truth is. So he's made you available. Then if you currently are in a in the middle of a difficult season, spend a little time searching the biblical truth that can help you know what to do. See, maybe you're in a situation you say, I don't know what to do. I'm in a situation, I'm in, a, I'm in a difficult situation. You're saying, Lord, I don't know what to do. Well, you got to start in the scriptures. And when we talked about prayer, prayer is that when you pray, ask God, okay, God, I don't know what the truth. I'm gonna, As I get into your word, you speak to me. You show me what the truth is. You show me what I need to do um, in this situation, in this circumstance. Let the scriptures speak to you. God will speak to you through the scriptures. And the thing is, if you get stuck, 
Okay, if you get stuck, you don't understand something, you get stuck on a on a verse or something where I don't understand it. Well, reach out to um to a coach or, or a pastor um that can help point you in the right directions. Reach out to somebody. Say, well, I don't understand this. You know, maybe find another mature saint who's understand the word of God and reach out to them and say, you know what, I don't understand this. I don't. I need revelation. I need help understanding the scripture. Huh? What does the word of God say about this? So, if you want to know what the truth is, you want to know truth is about marriage. You want to know truth is about uh, sexuality, your sexual identity. Um, you know whether this is right or wrong or things in nature. Get into the word of God because God's words hold the truth for everything that you need in your life. You got to be convinced of that, and don't get discouraged. Let me say this: be patient. No, if you don't, if you read a scripture and you don't get an answer tomorrow or next day, no, be patient and allow God to give you revelation on the scripture. You may have to read it more than one time. You may have spent some time in that scripture, you know, but be patient. But what a lot of times we do is we want to move quickly. You know, we want to move too quick and we don't get an understanding right away. Okay, we tend to abandon the word of God and begin to do our own thing and begin to go to other um, sources where we get our answers from. And I'm not saying, let me say this, I'm not saying that other sources can't help us. Okay, I'm not saying that. There may be other books that are not according, not in the Bible, that will help you get your resources or get your answers to the things, you know, maybe when it comes to finances. Um, you know, if, if your marriage is in trouble, you know, there's, there are secular artists who can, who can give you some revelation on, you know, how to deal with that situation. But I believe that the word of God has to be your number one priority. Nothing wrong with other sources to get your information, but, but the word of God has to be number one priority. Why? Because sometimes um, things outside of word of God can can if it does not agree with God's words, then you shouldn't go with it. You should stick with the word of God. So I want to lift up two scriptures tonight to explain what we're talking about tonight, about the scriptures, about not drifting. And I'm going to read the first one is 2 Timothy chapter 3, um, verses 16 and 17. I'm going to read it from... The New Living Translation first, but then I'm also going to read it from the King James Version. So the New Living Translation says this, all scripture is inspired by God and is usually to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. We use it to prepare and equip his people. Excuse me, God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So notice what it says here. It, it, God's word, it, it says, number one, it is inspired by God. Okay, inspired by God. So the scriptures does not contain God's word. The scriptures are God's word. Let me read it from the, um, the King James Version. So we can hear it from the King James. We want to 
read it from there. And it says that all scriptures given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instructions and in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto every good work. This is what it says. And so God, so the scripture does not contain God. Well, the scriptures are God's word. Okay, these are words that are spoken by him through the, the men that he used. It's inspired by God. That's what it says here. Okay, and so when they're talking about that word inspired, um, that phrase, it says here, it is comprised. It means when God is a compound word and it's talking about deity, the deity, and it's also talking about God breathed. Okay, this God word is God breathed. It came from him and it was breathed by him. So therefore the word uh, literally means God's breathed. The scriptures of God breathed. Now you may have people come to you and say, well, you know what? Um, I don't believe it because man wrote it. Well, it says here, these words of God's breathed. God used man. He inspired them through the Holy Spirit to write the Bible. They didn't even know they was writing the Bible. So people question, are there any errors in the Bible? You know, there may be a little difference in translation. They may have lost in the meaning of the words. But here's what I tell you, the theme of the Bible don't change. And what is the thing about it? The Bible? The thing about it is Jesus. The theme of the Bible is that we need a savior. Okay, because we was in sin. And Jesus was the answer to that problem. Okay, so we understand. So this is what the Bible is. It is God's brief. And so it says that the, the spirit rested on the prophets and spoke through them in that their words did not come from themselves, but from the mouth of God. And they spoke and wrote in the Holy Spirit. So despite human instruments God used, the scriptures are just as if God had spoken them directly. Okay, this is as if God had spoken them these words directly, even though human God spoke these words to people. Now notice this word doctrine. Okay, doctrine here. What does doctrine mean? Doctrine implies symptomatic, systematic, excuse me, or organized information or belief. God's word has been the foundation of all, or has to be all, the, the foundation of all our belief. God's word, his word has to be the foundation of all your belief. Everything that you believe has to be, God's word has to be the foundation. It has to be the foundation. It should be the foundation. If you want to keep from drifting. Otherwise, see what happens is when you begin to rely on other sources, when you begin to rely on culture and, you know, what Big Mama said, and, you know, and don't get me wrong. Thank God for Big Mama, but Big Mama could have been wrong. OK, if it wasn't lined with the word, Big Mama can be wrong. And we got to um, realize that. But the word of God has to be the foundation of all your belief system. What do you believe about the things about your life. What do you believe? So therefore, it, it has to be the foundation of all beliefs, and therefore, it is the basis of our of our, of us refuting error. It is that's how we refute because the word of God says if the word of God says it's wrong, then it's wrong, and we've got to come to understand that. 
we cannot be afraid uh, of the world when the world says, well, you know what, this is what it, well, we got to be afraid. We can't be afraid to say this is wrong. I don't agree with it. Now, let me say this, because a lot of times maybe you, you're not speaking up on what the Bible says, because guess what? You're not going to be popular. Okay. People are going, not going to like you. Culture is not going to like you when you stay on the word of God. But let me say this. And some of us, um, we won't say what the Bible said because we don't want to offend people. And especially people that are in your family, maybe your child or somebody in your, in your family circle who you love very dearly and you don't want to hurt them. Maybe they're living a lifestyle that the word of God condemns and you don't want to say anything because you know what you say, well, I love them. And you know what? I don't want to hurt their feelings. What you need to understand that the word of God is going to offend people. Let me say that it's going to offend people. Okay. But here's what I want to say to believers, to the body of Christ. So we cannot be afraid to offend people because the word of God is going to offend people. There's no easy way you can tell people that they're wrong. Um, but here's what we need to understand about the Christ. We can't add offense to offense. Well, you said, what do I mean by that? Well, you can't call them out of their name. If they're living a certain lifestyle that conjugates the word of God, you can't call them out of their names. You can't call them, you know, um, like the word whore or a slut or, you know, different names that we derogatory names to try to shame them um, in the lifestyle they're living. So you can't add, we don't want to add offense to offense. The word of God is going to offend them anyway. Because if you tell, if you tell somebody, well, you know what? You know, you're doing this with the Bible says it's wrong. I'm sorry. I love you. But that's the word of God says that is wrong. And the Bible says what? Speak the truth in love. And so you tell them it's wrong. And then once you tell them that they're wrong, then you have to allow them to make a decision. And you have to trust that the Holy Spirit is going to begin to work on them and begin to change the way they think. You have to do that. But you call them out their names or trying to shame them or every time you see them make them feel bad about what they're doing. No, that's not. You tell them the truth. You speak the truth. And then you love them. You Believe that, hey, allowing the Holy Spirit to work on them and, and hoping that they would change their mind about what they're doing. But you trying to shame them, that's not what God wants us to do. Even when Jesus met the woman at, at the well, he didn't try to shame her. He just let her know, okay, yeah, you know, you've been married five times and the husband that you got ain't yours. He just told her, look, for real, you're living with somebody that's not your husband. So he didn't really try to change. He just pointed out the truth to her. Okay. And so, so therefore we understand that, hey, when it says doctrine, that's where our uh, truth can be based on. And then it says for reproof. Reproof means conviction. The root, the root meaning of this word means to conf confute or admonish. Uh, the international version translates translate this as rebuking. So God's word is proper for rebuking sin and error. So you rebuke it. You rebuke sin. You say that's wrong. You tell them that's not right. Okay. 
This is what it says. So for reproof. So then it says for correction. Okay, for correction. Okay, correction uh, means restoration to an upright or right standard, improvement of life and character. So this is what the word of God would do. Okay, it brings us back to a right state with God. So um, correction might involve reproof, but correction goes a step further. It not only exposes the wrong, which is a rebuke, but it also brings the individual receiving the correction to a better state, which is which a rebuke would not always do. So you can rebuke somebody, you can tell me you're wrong, but correction goes a little further. Correction says you're wrong, okay? And then you show them um, a way to get them back in right standing, bring them, bring them back in right standing, help them um, become to the place where, hey, they, you help them correct their situation if they're willing. I would say that they're willing. So you bring them back to a better state. To rebuke just only tell them that they're wrong, but correction brings that person back to a better state than what they were before. And so it also talks about, so there's two types of righteousness here, okay? There's two types of righteousness where the Bible helps us with. The word of God is profitable for instructing us in both types of these rights. So the first one is we, we would, it will teach us about our right position with Christ, which is a product of our faith in him. And it will um, teach us how to relate to our fellow man with right actions. So thank God for that. So the word of God will show you that, hey, you are, once you become saved, it will show you your identity, your position in Christ. Know that, know that we talked about um, in the series we about when, that, when we talked about the series on righteousness, it says that you are made right with God because of what Jesus did. And the word of God, when you read that scripture, when you read scripture to remind you that you've been made righteous because of what Jesus did, not because of your own effort, not because of your own works, but because of what Jesus did. Okay. So it, it all it teaches us that your true identity in Christ once you become saved. That's a product of you putting your faith in Jesus. And then the other thing is it teaches us how to relate to our fellow man with right actions. When you have been offended, when you've been hurt by your fellow man, when it shows us how to respond in the right way. So this is why scripture is important because why? If you don't, you don't know how you're supposed to respond. This the word of God teaches how to respond to our fellow man. And if you don't know what the scripture says, guess what? You're going to drift away and begin to do your own thing. And what now you have the potential to respond the wrong way, and you may not get the results that you want. You can respond wrong. You're just going to make things worse. So next day it says the word of God is perfect. What does that mean? We're talking about when, talk, when the word of God talking about being perfect, it's not talking about dotting every I and crossing every T. Okay. What is it talking about? The Greek word means maturity, it means sufficiency. Many people teach that God's word isn't enough to complete spiritual growth. Okay. People teach that. They say believers have to suffer and be tried to obtain maturity. Now, this is a misconception in the body of Christ. 
They say that the word of God is not enough to grow you. Well, you got to go through something. You got to go through some suffering. You got to experience some hardship in order for you to, to grow. And, and that's not this is that's not what this verse is saying. It's not saying God's word is capable of making us per, people perfect in, in, in every area. It can do that. Now, is that to say that we we learn? Is that to say that we learn and are perfected only through God's word? Um, no, that's not what that's not what we're saying. That's certainly, that's not what we're saying. It said most of us learn by hard knocks. Okay, now that's how we learn. We learn by trial and error. We mess up. We we learn and we can grow that way. But God's word is able to to complete us in every area without those heartaches if we let it do its work so the word of god can perfect you if you let it okay we can easily learn through god's word or we can learn by our mistakes the choice is ours so understand what i'm saying you have a choice you can learn i see i don't have to to uh experience uh hardship like you know uh going through being in adultery maybe you're in adultery or fornication i don't have to experience fornication in order for god to grow me i can read god's word and says god says fornication is wrong god says adultery is wrong god says stealing is wrong so i can just take god at his word and avoid the heartache so the choice is yours you don't have to go through something in order to grow and mature to know that okay in order to grow up anything of god no just take god in this word and begin to stand on it so the choice is yours so you can either go through heartache which that's not god's intentions but can he use trials yeah he can use trials to grow you up he can use things to grow you up you can mature that way but his the best way he wanted us to do is just by reading his word applying his word in life avoiding these things and he want to grow us that way but the choice is out but the better choice so the choice is out but the better choice is to learn through god's word so you got a choice here that's the best way god want to mature is through his word but he can grow us through hardship okay and the last scripture we want to read tonight is we want to go to Psalms 119. We're going to do verses 1 through 8. And I'm going to read it once again from the New Living Translation. And I'm also going to read it from the King James. And so the New Living Translation says this. Okay. It says, joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey his law and search for him with all their heart. They do not compromise with evil and they walk only in his path. They have, you have charged us to keep your commandment carefully. Oh, that my actions would con consistently reflect your decree then I will not be ashamed when I compare my life with your commands. As I learn your righteous regulations, I will thank you by living as I should. 
I will obey your decrees. Please don't give up on me. So look at this. There's a song he said. He's writing. He's talking about God's word, the integrity of it, how he obey it. He's going to walk in it. And I'm going to read it from um, the King James Version. want to read it from there so we can because most of my um space is going to come from the king james version it says blessed are the undefiled in the way who walks in who walks in the law of the lord blessed are they that keep his testimonies that and that seek him with the with their whole heart they also do no iniquity they walk in his ways that thou commandest us to keep thy precepts diligently oh that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes then shall i not be ashamed when i have when i have respect unto all thy commandments i will praise thee with, with uprightness of heart when i shall have learned thy righteous judgment i will keep thy statue or forsake me not utterly so we see here the writer is talking about God's word. So let's just look at let's look at um I just want to take this step by step verse two. Verse two says, Blessed are they that that keep his testimonies and they seek him with their whole heart. I understand, look at this. He's saying, Blessed are those. So God's divine favor is on those who keep his word. And seek him with their whole heart. Indeed, there are no, there are no way, there's no way to seek God with our whole heart without keeping his word. So you can't say you're seeking God and not be in the scriptures. Because while Jesus is in the scriptures, what God, what the truth of God is in his scriptures. So if you don't spend any time with it, this is why you're drifting away. You're drifting away from the truth. Why? Because you're not spending time getting to know the truth. So these, these things go hand in hand. Seeking God with your whole heart. Okay. And the word, they go hand in hand. Those who say they are seeking God, yet have no love for or desire to follow the instructions of God were a liar. So you're lying to yourself. If you have no desire to follow God's instructions, and uh, you're living life through any kind of way you want or doing by your own way and got your own rules of life, or as I said, you're living by the culture, what the culture demands, or what the culture says, and you in agreement with the culture, then you're lying to yourself because God's word is true. Okay. This is a seeking, seeking the Lord yields the good fruit for righteous living. This is what verse three says. Seeking the Lord yields good fruit for righteous living. So look at verse, it says, they also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. So you need to understand that hey, seeking the Lord yields good fruit for, for right living. If you seek him, you're going to live right. You're not going to be perfect, but you're going to live right. You're going to live right. Now, the, the word uh, in, in verse four, use the word diligently. 
Okay, it says here, thou has commanded us to keep thy concept diligently. Okay, and so therefore diligently is used in this verse was translated from from the from Greek from the Greek word. The Greek word uh in this particular or the Hebrew word, excuse me, it says properly, or it says um wholly or speedily. This is what it means. You know, it's it's properly so. You do it probably. So this is speaking of total commitment to keeping God's word. Sadly, most people don't let the word of God get in the way of what they believe or how they act. We are commanded to change that. Now, I want to say it again. Most people don't let the word of God get in the way of what they believe or how they act. You have to allow the God to get in the way of what you believe. Now, I think that's key. That's strong. Are you allowing God's word to get in the way of what you believe? Are you allowing God's word to get in the way of how you feel? To get in the way. Allow God's word. What am I saying? Allow God's word to take, to have authority over your emotions, over culture, over other ideologies, over other different religions, what they say. And how you act. Okay, why? Because we respond, we respond, what? Based on how we feel. Well, will you allow the word of God to get in the way of that? Okay, will you allow the word of God to get in the way of that? And this is so key. So you have to learn, allow the word of God to be your final authority. Now, am I saying this is easy? No. But you have to discipline yourself. Okay, to say, you know what? I'm not going to give in to my emotions. I'm not going to buy into what the culture says, even though it's hard. I know I'm not popular. I know I'm not going to be a fan. I know people are not going to like me um, because of what I'm saying or what I stand on. But you know what? I'm going to allow the word of God to get in the way, okay, of what I believe and how I act. And this is what we, we're commanded to change that. And when we look at five, it says the, the New Testament ways are di directed to keep God, are directed to keep God's word. The new believers ways are directed to keep God's word. The sinful nature that compels us to sin has been crucified with Christ. Now, all that required of us is to keep his word is renewing our mind. So let's look at five. Just one quick look at five. What if I said, oh, that my ways were directed to keep that statues his ways are directed to keep the statues and so we are compelled the sinful nature excuse me that compelled us to sin has been crucified with christ you no longer have a sinful nature let me say that to you why you because when jesus came in he took he got rid of your sinful nature because that's what made your sin and then he replaced it with a new nature the nature of Christ. Now, why do we sin? Here's the reason why we sin. Because this last part says, now all that's required of us is to keep God's word by renewing our minds. The reason why you keep sinning, if you are a believer, the reason why you keep sinning is because you haven't renewed your mind to the word of God yet. And if you're not spending time in the scriptures, then what are you doing? You're only going to drift to what your emotions tell you to do, to how you feel.
or what culture says. This is what's going to happen. Okay. So you have to renew your mind with the word of God. You have to allow the word of God to change the way you think versus you change the way you think, change the word of God by the way you think. This is what you have to do. And look at this, look at verse six. Verse six says, then shall I not be ashamed when I have, when I have respect unto all thy commandments. So having respect for God's word. It says, notice that this verse does not say that we will not have shame when we keep God's word perfectly. Don't say that. Why? Because no one can do that. Your, your flesh will fail. But this verse says that we will not be ashamed when we have respect for God's word, reverence for God's word. Okay. To respect God's word is to keep it, is to keep it, to respect God's word and to keep it are two different things. So respecting God's word and keeping it is totally two different things. Jesus is the only one who ever kept God's word perfectly. Okay. And we are accepted by our Father through Jesus Christ's performance for us and our faith in Jesus. So we're accepted because of what Jesus did. We're not accepted because of our good behavior. We're accepted because of Jesus' behavior. He did it perfectly. So when we respect God, when you respect something, then you're going to put forth an effort to do the right thing. Notice that we are to respect all of God's commandments. Some people pick and choose which part of God's word they want to keep. And see, and we, we're guilty of that. Maybe you get it. You can't just pick and choose what part of God's word you want to keep. You know, what part, if, if, if obeying God's word is going to get in the way of what you want to do, then you don't obey that. But if it's, if it's not going to affect what you want to do, then you okay with it. No, you got to obey all of it. You got to respect all of it. Although it is true that we have been redeemed from the Old Testament law and no longer have to comply with many of its dictates, such as the dietary law of the um, the Old Testament law, so we don't have to necessarily go by that, um, we still need to respect that portion of the scripture and we can profit from it. So you don't have to keep the Jewish uh, dietary law, but you can respect it because there may be somebody out there who still live by that and you can respect it, but we're not limited to that. We're not, it's not commanded that we do that because we're under the new covenant, the covenant of grace. Okay, and so it says, understanding God's word will enable us to praise God better. So let's look at seven. Let's look at seven, 119 and seven. It says, I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous judgment. So it helps you praise God better because if you're, when you understand God, where understand who he is, okay, then you're going to praise him. You're going to worship him. You're going to have that deep intimation with him. You're going to have a, a reverence of him and an understanding of him that going to make you want to worship him. When you understand how awesome he is, how powerful he is, how he's just been so good to you. Okay. And let me say this because, you know, when people say, you know what, God's word, you know, it's God's word. Uh, it never changed. It is true. 
And we struggle with the part when God is telling us to live a certain way. He never changes. Remember I said earlier, the truth never changes. And culture is struggling with that because culture changes all the time. God's word never changes. And maybe you're in a living situation or you're going through something and maybe you've allowed culture to just change your mind. And remember I said earlier how we as Christians, the word is no easy way to make people feel comfortable to come to the word of God when they're wrong. But here's something about God, God also never changed his love. Guess what? His love never changes for you. And see, I need somebody, you need to know that even though you're not living right, even though you're not living by the scriptures. But guess what? If you're living in a way that's contrary to the word of God, the Bible says that's wrong. And that's not going to change. But guess what? It's not going to change. His love for you. His love for you will never change, even in your sin right now. He loves you unconditionally. But what does he want you to do? He wants the best for you. So he wants you to come out of that. You drifted. You've drifted away from God. You, you've drifted away and you, you have, maybe you don't realize how far you're away from. Well, I encourage you to get back into the word of God, get in the scriptures and learn how much God loves you. Learn what he says wrong, love him, but most of all, too, learn how much he loves you. Learn, understand how much, because he loves you, he wants the best for you. That's why he wants you to change. I felt um, led to say that. And the last thing, um, praise God that in the new covenant, the Lord will never leave us nor forsake us. Because that's what eight, eight says, I will keep thy commandments or forsake me not utterly. Because that's what, um, that's under the old covenant. You know, the psalmist was praying, Lord, don't leave me. But under this new covenant, you don't have to worry about that. You don't have to worry that the Lord is going to leave. He says, what, in Hebrews 13 and 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He's not going to leave you. Maybe you feel like right now that God has left you. He's abandoned you because you're looking at the circumstance of your life. But I want to say that don't base God's presence off of your circumstance. Don't conclude that he's not with you because things are not going the way you want in your life. No, he's right there. And, and even though you may not, he may not deliver you completely out of your situation, but he'll help you through it. He'll take you through it. He'll give you the strength and the fortitude and tenacity and the emotional stability to go through what you're going through. Because guess what? It's, it, it's not going to last. I remember we sung a song, come on, trouble don't last always. It's not going to last. It's going to come to an end. But you have to stay connected with God through the scriptures. And get in his word and spend time in his word because the word of God is so important. So I want to encourage you tonight on that, that if you're not in the scriptures, if you don't seek God in the scriptures, then you're drifting. You're going to drift away and you're going to be caught up with, with what culture says or what your emotion says or what it, every other thing says. You're going to be able to you're going to be drifting away. And God doesn't want that. So we want to stay connected and close to God. And then the way we can do that is what we talk about tonight is through the scriptures. So let me pray for you, Father God, in the name of Jesus. I thank you for every voice that's listening. 
God, I thank you that you left your word for us. You inspired men to write your word down so that we will have something to know you and to understand you, to know what the truth is, to know how to navigate through this life with all the things that we have to experience. And I thank you that your word is true, that your word is life. The Bible says the word of God is lamp unto our feet and a life unto our pathway. I thank you, God, for giving somebody uh, insight and revelation through their situations, their circumstances. God, I thank you right now through your word that you are delivering somebody from a lifestyle that's contrary to your word. I thank you, God, that through your word that somebody is getting peace and understanding. I thank you, God. We receive that on tonight, that through your word that we have everything that we need and we glorify you, God, and praise your name. I thank you for delivering that person that needs answers, that they're seeking you. And through the word, God, their life is being changed. And we give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Once again, we thank you for listening. We thank you for uh, spending time with us. And once again, I always encourage you to share this with your friends and your family members. If you think they need this word, please share it with them. And they can always reach you out to us. You can go to the website and get our information. You got a prayer request, leave it for us. And we would definitely pray for you. And we can also encourage you to watch us on Thursday nights, our Bible study, where we also have different subjects and we get into, we have discussions and break the word down. But once again, I thank you. I'll be, be, be back again with you next week. And once again, have a great evening. Once again, thank you and bye-bye.